You're listening to the Ascension Roundtable podcast, your go-to podcast for Catholic ministry shop talk. In this episode, Father Mike Schmitz, director of the Newman Center at the University of Minnesota Duluth and director of youth ministry for the Diocese of Duluth, shares some inside views about his experiences in these ministries. He also tells us how he manages his time according to the demands of his vocation, something I think all of us in ministry could really benefit from hearing. In the second part of the show, he talks about how, as a church, we can do a much better job approaching sacramental prep as a valuable opportunity for evangelization. Keep listening. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. My name is Alan. I am joined in studio today with Marisa, but she is not behind the microphone and with uh, Tom McCabe from Atlanta. And today we've got a uh, someone who you may have heard of. His name is Father Mike Schmitz. He happens to be a priest in the Diocese of Minnesota. And uh, he's online with us as well. Welcome, Father Mike. And hello, Tom. Hey, guys. Great to have you, Father Mike. What a treat this is for us. Thank you very much. Uh, like I said, Father Mike runs the Newman Center at the University of Minnesota Duluth. And is it correct that you're the director of youth and young adult ministry for the diocese as well? I am. Actually, it's, I, I think we kind of limit it to director of youth ministry. There was a while where it was youth and young adult, and I think it still is on the on the letterhead. <laughs> but one of the things that you probably have known or noticed is that uh, when it comes to young adult ministry, it's a whole nother thing. Like it is yeah. completely yeah. different than campus ministry, completely different than youth ministry. And so just with resources being what they are, we've had to uh, say, you know what? We're doing youth ministry. We're doing college ministry. And uh, beyond that, uh, we're here to be a resource in our diocese for young adult stuff. That just has to be, it seems like it more and more, uh, for us at least, it has to be more and more coming from the parish uh, as part of like an organic community kind of a thing rather than yes. a top-down type mm-hmm. thing. Just to clarify. <laughs> <laughs> and, and a lot of you have probably seen him on uh, Ascension Presents where he is known, of course, internationally as well. I um, I had a great uh, pleasure to work with my Father Mike over the past Gosh, probably a year. It probably feels like much longer for him having to work with me. But we <laughs> worked together on um, belonging, uh, Ascension's baptism program, and um, it's been it was a wonderful experience for me, and really a pleasure to work with you. Um, you're fantastic, and just want to say thanks for that. And I had a chance to meet your your parents and your sisters, yes. and um, I just want to say that that explains a lot, actually. <laughs> just kidding. How so? They were, they were on their they were on their almost best behavior. So almost best yeah. behavior. <laughs> well, I was I always think, wondering: is it like a, a bunch of you know little feminine Father Mikes with that intensity and that excitement? And um, it would be there is a they we are they they are my sisters are all intense. If I think about it, I think no, no, they're just them. But I think wait a second, let me pause. Yeah. They're all the old sister is super intense. I mean, she in conversation, she just goes at it like um, she doesn't care what you think, just goes to town. Uh, The next sister is an orthopedic surgeon, and she's just all about like, okay, what is it? What's the facts? Let's do this intensely. Um, And then my little sister is a doctor of physical therapy, and she's all like, okay, here's the deal. We're going to get holy. We're going to get holy now. We're going to get holy as we can. She's awesome. They all are. Cool. Well, we're going to um, take a quick break and come back with Father Mike. But before we do, I want to remind everybody that we want to hear from you. So please leave us your feedback. You can drop us a line in a comment section at ascensionpresents.com slash podcast, or you can email us directly ascensionroundtable at ascensionpress.com. We'll be right back. 
Here are four reasons to create your free Access Ascension account today. One, you can preview one full session from each of our popular studies. Two, you can start a study with just four other registered participants. Three, our studies can be run in person, online, or as a hybrid of both. And the best reason? An Access Ascension account is totally free. Sign up today at ascensionpress.com. All right. And we're back. So, Father Mike, I have a question for you. When I was up there um, in Minnesota and I met your your family and I saw a picture and I was really excited. Actually, I had heard about the picture before I got there. <laughs> and so I really wanted to see it when I got the chance to see it. And so I, I began to question its authenticity and did it even really exist. <laughs> and um, and sure enough, it does. And so for our listeners, um, I just want to let them know that when Father Mike graduated high school, he actually did not wear his cap. He had a Batman cowl that he wore with the tassel hanging from the ear of the bat cowl. It was fantastic. And they made the <laughs> pictures of it and it made the paper, I mean, the newspaper because, well, because that's news in Brainerd. But <laughs> <laughs> because that's news. And, uh, and it was awesome. So I took a picture of the picture and if it's okay with you, I would love to post that in our comments just so our listeners can get a little insight into what you were like when you were growing Absolutely. up. Absolutely. That would be just a great way to relive that that day <laughs> and that moment. All right. Great. Well, we should probably ask you some questions our, our listeners want to want to know about. Um, so I'm going to just start firing away and Tom's going to fire away. And then um, when we run out of time, we'll, we'll say goodbye. How's that sound? <laughs> Okay. <laughs> um, so you're busy, as, a, as you said earlier, with all your many things you do, as well as working on some projects for us and um, Ascension Presents and traveling, talking with Life Team and Focus and all kinds of uh, conferences and whatnot. So um, how do you, with all those demands on you, how do you prioritize your life? How do you, how do you say no to things? Like, how do you just manage your time in that sense? That's a great question. I say, I say no a lot, a lot more than I say yes, like a lot more. Um, I'll probably say that out of like, say, a hundred invitations to do something, I'll, I will say no 98 times, maybe 99 times. Not, not because like, well, it's not good enough for me or it's not whatever for me as much as it just is, you know, that's just not, um, I'm not able to. So how I prioritize is really clear for me as being a diocesan priest is my top priority is what my bishop wants me to do. And so that makes it very, very clear. He says, uh, you're the chaplain at UMD and you're the director of youth ministry for our diocese. And so boom, that is the first priority. And it has to be. Um, and that becomes easier and easier. The uh, a the older I become, meaning like the more tired I become <laughs> when I was I think if this was happening like 10 years ago, I'd be like, eh, no problem. I can go by on the four hours sleep. But now I'm like, oh, I'm really tired. I need to <laughs> yeah. say no. It's not just like a wisdom yes. thing. It's more of a, like a weakness thing. And so um, that's one issue. But the so that becomes very clear, though, where it's top priority is my students on campus and the youth ministers that I work with. Um, on a daily or a regular basis. And that becomes clearer and clearer. The more I just, I've recognized in myself that something that's happened and just recognizing the the reality and the power of spiritual fatherhood. This is something that's, that I had never really known about much growing up and knowing known about much, even in seminary, it was kind of understated uh, that sense of, oh, you're ordained as a priest. So what are you going to do? We're going to, you're going to do the sacraments. You're going to counsel people. You're going to be present, minister of presence. And you're going to be, you know, the uh, preaching and things like this. But what wasn't necessarily communicated powerfully was that the reality of spiritual fatherhood when it came to priesthood and mm. uh, some friends of mine, some priest friends of mine have introduced that concept. And now when I look at all the ministry through that lens, then uh, saying no and saying yes becomes a lot, a lot easier because I recognize, okay, my students, it's not just like, well, I need to be on campus because of X, Y, or Z. It's no, I need to be present to these students that I'm their spiritual father. 
And that gives me a lot of clarity, but that needs to be the top priority. That's great, Father, when I hear that. You said understanding your priorities and then the mm-hmm. ability to say no and, and align everything with those. That's, I think that's good advice to every one of the, really the church workers, every, that, who this podcast is directed to. Yeah. Um, you know, I had an opportunity recently, as you know, we were able to be out at LA Congress together, which was a Absolutely. joy. That was great. And, and, and there was the mob of Father Mike fans there to see you. And it was kind of fun to watch that. I'm kind of his bouncer. You, know, you, you step back. You know, that was funny. But order, you, please, you, order. The point, Father, that uh, I, I remember, I, I really was edified by the fact of you um, being attentive to every single person that came before you. And uh, as time goes on, that can get quite difficult. God's put you in a position where you're doing this sort of thing. And you've got, a, you, you've got I'm sure, a million things on your mind. First of all, because that's the way your mind thinks, I think. All right. Number one. <laughs> But number two, you know, you have these people in front of you. The church workers in general, they're stretched in so many ways, right? Yeah. They're, they're called to be the bookkeeper. They're called to be the phone caller, the meeting planner, as well as an evangelist and a catechist. What I observed from you, Father, is a sense of joy with every person that was in front of you. And I, and I, I it, it didn't seem quite forced. It was like you were, it was, it was a deliberate joy by you trusting in the Lord. And then you were able to set all the other concerns aside and be attentive to the soul in front of you. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, would you, so applying that to our church workers, you get very busy. What is it that you do that helps you to maintain that sense of spiritual joy? And maybe that's practical. Maybe you make sure you get enough sleep, a variety of things. But what is it you do to be, to, to maintain that sense of joy and be attentive to the person in front of you? Uh, that's a great question. I, I say three things um, that maybe are, are pretty important. One is prayer. And so I think that a lot of times the first thing to go in our lives when we get busy are the things that are most important. Things like I don't eat right. I don't sleep right. I don't exercise um, and I don't pray. And so that's the temptation is I'm so busy, too busy to pray. Um, and yet at the same time, not only can I not give what I don't have, but also the the point of life is to be in relationship with the Lord. Prayer is our relationship with the Lord. And so if if I'm not praying, I'm missing out on the point why I'm alive. So this really came uh, to a head to me, um, recognizing that I, I have a regular prayer life, but I had recognized that my um, my prayer had kind of increasingly become transactional, to use a, a term that uh, a friend of mine, John Beaulieu, who works at Franciscan University, he had, he had introduced to me, transactional relationship, where I came to prayer because I'm like, okay, God, I... Uh, I need some help. You know, I, I'm going to give a talk or I got to need help because I'm going to meet with this person. Got to help. And God honors that. But I just right. Wait a second. The whole point of being alive is to get deeper and deeper in relationship with the Lord, because other work will end. Uh, opportunities will go away. People who wanting to say hello uh, will they will move on. But the Lord will be the only thing that matters in the end. So that number one is prayer. I'll be quicker about the next two. Number two, hearing about different people who met heroes of mine. So um, someone meets John Paul and he remembers their name and he pays attention to them. Or someone meets my bishop and my, they always talk about my bishop, Bishop Paul Serba, as like, he is so kind. He listens. He, he just, he pays attention to you when you're talking to him. And he just, and people recognize that that, that is one way that, uh, like I myself can get to love someone and all church workers, right? Because um, particularly if uh, you're a youth minister, a DRE or whatever your your job is, that people want to be acknowledged. And when you are willing to take the time to do that, it's a way to, to really love when you can't do anything else. And the third thing I think was for me, at least I'm just struck by gratitude with gratitude. Like, well, who wants to, talk? why would someone want to talk to me? Like, thank you. They don't have to 
wait in a line or they don't have to, you know, go to the booth where we were with Ascension Press and and say, hi, thank you for doing X, Y or Z. But they did. And so I'm just grateful for the fact that they're here. So prayer, um, I've seen that modeled in my life of like people being really attentive. It's one way you can love someone back. And third is just moved by a sense of gratitude that they don't have to be here, but they are. And, and that means something. What a great reminder for me and just in my life with my family, you know, in personal life, just to, to recognize those moments that I should be present with my wife and with my kids and that they should really come, you know, first after God in my life. Yeah. Just sit, look them in the eyes, be present with them in those moments. Thank you for that. Yeah. Of all the things you do, um, working with college students seems to be right in your, your sweet spot. I mean, I've seen, I've seen, <laughs> seen you do it and, um, and it just seems like that is, you know, that's where you live currently. And, and, uh, like you said, in the beginning, you're obedient to the Bishop and this is where the Bishop has you. And I imagine if he said he's going to move you somewhere to parish life or somewhere else, you would do that. Say whether you were I... happy about it or not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so what is it that you like about working with college students? I like the youth ministry stuff because I like how quick they are to respond to the gospel, like how quick they are to like make a decision. But the con for that is that sometimes they're pretty fickle. Like on the weekend, like, oh my gosh, I encountered the Lord and my life has changed. And on Monday, it's like, oh yeah, that happened. Um, <laughs> in adult ministry, it can be really good because the stability and this consistency, that's just like, no, I'm here for the long haul. But sometimes I find a little bit of reluctance to change. It's like, no, this is this is life. This is what life looks like. It's, it's stable. And maybe that's not necessarily as willing to change. Like the sweet spot, like you mentioned, like the college ministry is great because they're asking the big questions about like, how should I live for the rest of my life? So there's an openness to change, but there's a little more stability when it comes to um, uh, that. Uh, if I make that decision, I, I may very well pursue this for the rest of my life. And that's just, that's phenomenal. I love that. Okay. So let me ask you this, Father, what would you say are the top three things that students want? I guess I would say, uh, I like everybody, everyone's looking for meaning. Um, but I think that there's an, there's an element of, and I, I noticed this, you know, everyone's talking about millennials. It's so funny. Um, at one, at one, I remember years ago, I had known the term millennial because that's who I, with whom I work. And so I was like, oh yeah, generation Y, millennials kind of thing. And now like everyone's talking about millennials and not necessarily in the great way, except now you have this whole movement of like, oh, I'm coming to the defense of the millennials. Hey guys, I'm on your side. I think that there is something in that, this age group, whether it's just a generation or if it's this particular age for everybody where it's, I know what I've been fed. I know the line that I've been fed by the culture, by the world around me by parents, maybe by even church. I just, I want to know if there really is meaning. I want to know what that meaning is. I want to know if God really wants me to be happy or not. How ought I to live? Um, and there's a, actually a great book. I think it's by Chuck Colson. Um, it's called How Now Shall We Live? It's that question that is asked in the scriptures of just, okay, if I, if I encounter Christ, how now shall I live? And that's the big question I think I find with many, many young people is being asked. That's good to know, regardless of whether they are, everybody's seeking a sense of meaning in their life. And if this is true, then how should I live? Yeah, and I think there's a lot of people who are, um, they, they, they're they actually despairing of meaning. You can either have the hedonism, eat, drink, and be merry. You can have the scientism. It's just atoms and molecules and quarks. Um, you have this kind of sense of like, it's just about, you know, try to be as nice as you can be. One of the great books I've read in the last bunch of years is, uh, Soul Searching by Christian Smith, when he discovers that uh, most Americans, not just young and old Americans, but most Americans, uh, even if they profess Christian, specifically uh, those raised Catholic and those raised mainline Protestant, 
um, are actually moralistic therapeutic deists, meaning that moralistic, like God wants you to be nice. Uh, most people go to heaven when they die. They're therapeutic in that God's there. Not really. He's not involved in your life, but he's there if you really need him. So he's like therapy and deism, which is like God kind of made the world. And I guess he'll show up maybe kind of sort of, but otherwise he just stays out of your business. Most Americans um, are moralistic therapeutic deists. And it's not a recipe for a life lived with purpose. And um, it actually can undo a lot of uh, what we really know about God, who God is. I think we're all, like you said, we're all asking that question. I wonder if it's, um, that was an interesting answer. I wonder if it's during that time in your life when you're, you know, thinking anyway about what am I going to do with my life? Am I going to get married and those kind of things? So it's just more prevalent. And I wonder if there's something, this is another conversation for another time, but I wonder if there's something to the idea of people kind of get distracted after college, they get into their job, they get into the routine of, of life and, and work and house and marriage and family. And then all of a sudden there's like, they're in their middle age and they have those, those middle age, uh, crisis, like they call it. Yeah. It's all of a sudden they're asking that question again, like, what's my purpose? I thought, I thought it was this, I got distracted with this, but here I am still having the same longings in my heart that I was having, you know, 20 years ago. I don't know. Well, and, and that can even be people in church, right? I mean, obviously because a tooth for at least two reasons. One is because a lot of times I think we can get so absorbed in our work in the ministry. We're like, I'm doing something good for God. This is so good. So then just like myself pointing out a couple minutes ago, um, Hey, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? As opposed to, well, no, the main thing is that relationship with the Lord. And so even someone who's working in the church can find themselves saying, wait a second, I poured myself out in this. And why is it not as deep and not as joy filled as I thought it would be? Well, one is, I don't know if I poured myself out in relationship with the Lord as much as I did pouring myself out for the Lord. Um, and that recognition of I need that. The second thing is a thing that afflicts every one of us. We did a video for Century Presents about this just a couple weeks ago called Anacedia. And that sense of uh, it, it is a spiritual term for midlife crisis. It's that here's where I'm at in life and I'm discontented with it, but I'm in the right spot. It's when I'm in the right spot, but I'm like, ah, I don't want to stay here anymore. I want to go and do something different. I want to either go back to my youth and recapture something like that, or I want to rush, rush to the end of the story and do that all day. I want to skip tracks. I want to do anything other than what I'm supposed to be doing right now. And, uh, and that afflicts people who are even in the right vocation. You know, I think that's a common dilemma or experience that we all have, Father Mike, uh, that, you know, we're, we're in this place where we want a sense of meaning for our life, but we're stuck. So what would you share with the, the, the young person, the college student, you know, you talked about it maybe being later in life, but we all experience that. What would be your common response or to the young person that's feeling that? Right. And I, I it's a good question because it all depends where they're coming from. I mean, really, I, I don't mean to be super uh, evasive about it like that, but it, it does. Um, some come from a place of like, I know there's something out there. I know there's meaning out there. Some are like, I don't think there is any. Some can, some people can say, well, I think God might exist. And others, I don't know at all. Some are like, no, I know that Jesus is real, but I don't know what to do. And so in all those different places, it's just like, okay, first I have to, what I first have to do is I first have to listen and say, what's the real question they're asking? And what are the things they already know to be true? And that's one of the things that I, I find a lot of times in any kind of discussion with anybody is I can never assume that I know where they're coming from until they tell me where they're coming from. And even then I might get it wrong. And so in that, I just, again, I, I don't mean to be evasive about it, but I would say that uh, one of the first things I need to do is I need to listen to what the real question is. And I need to listen for not just what the real question is, but what are the things they already know to be true? And then we start from there. 
So if they're like, I don't know if anything's real. Okay, let's start from there. <laughs> or like, no, I know Jesus is God, but I don't know what he wants me to do with my life. Awesome. Let's start from there. And so that that's starting. That's the launching point, at least. Great. So we're going to take a quick break and come back with more Father Mike. And we're going to talk about um, baptism and uh, evangelization through baptism and a little bit about uh, Ascension's program belonging. So stay with us. It's hard to live out your Catholic faith on your own. In fact, the Bible reveals that we need a community of people to help us on our journey of faith. If you're interested in finding that community by joining or starting a small group study, visit ascensionpress.com and sign up for a free Ascension account. With your account, you'll get all the tools you need to start walking with others towards Christ. All right, welcome back. Brother Mike is on the show with us today, um, talking about all kinds of cool stuff and just uh, loving spending some time with him. So, Father, I want to ask you real quick about um, baptism. We um, just finished working on belonging, Ascension's baptism prep program, and at the risk of sounding like a shameless plug, um, <laughs> I, I can't help but, but ask you a question about it because I think it just the idea, I think your answer is going to be good for people working in ministry administering all sorts of sacraments, not just, not just baptism. And so, um, with all of the programs out there in my research, before we ever started this, I called many dioceses and parishes and I had a ton of question for them. And, um, there's a lot of programs that already exist. So, so why would we do another one? Cause they're, they're good. Most of them especially are very good. And so why would we do a program and why would you, um, recommend a parish use belonging? Yeah. Uh, it's, that's, I remember talking about this years a couple years ago when we did look at all those different programs throughout the country because everyone really wants to have a great baptism program but what happened was we we kept seeing people who would kind of fall into one of two categories they made their baptism program either all about catechesis we need these parents to know what's going to happen with their child this is really important it's all about catechesis though so then what happens is the parents show up regardless of their interest level uh, they kind of get in a certain sense lectured to and that's what they're expecting they're expecting to, to come into the parish hall, maybe there's a classroom, sit down, and we're going to tell you all these important things about baptism, which is important, but it's all catechesis. Or the other one was you come in and it's all about the rules. Okay, you're going to get your child baptized. That means you need to do this. And it's all about either showing up and you get the rules, you show up and you get the catechesis. But I think that acknowledging the fact that the growing number of young adults or people who are having children are not coming to the church or not coming back to the church. Many of them are showing up not necessarily because they have had an encounter with Jesus or they feel connected with their parish, but because they feel like they have an obligation. And so we thought, well, this is a great opportunity not to necessarily use this baptism as a catechesis when they don't really care or about the rules. And it's just like, this is turning me off. What if this was about pre-evangelization? So it's not so much about catechesis as it is about connection. It's not so much about the rules as it is about relationship. And so we wanted to say, okay, we're going to actually have another perspective when it comes to what that night or those couple nights could look like. They're expecting to come in and get lectured to. They're expecting to come in and uh, go again to the church hall, to a classroom. What if we prepared the parish and said, okay, the person who normally does your baptism prep might be a volunteer, might be the DRE, might be the deacon or the deacon's wife, that kind of thing. And those people might be fantastic with it. But what if we said... Let's make this about relationship. Who are the people in your parish who would actually be not only the most fun, but the most available for young couples? And let them host the night. So all they get to do, all they have to do, just host the night. They don't have to teach. They don't have to communicate the rules. They just have to be great hosts because this is about relationship, about connection. 
And then we have this program that the program itself will communicate what you need to know about not only baptism, but also proclaiming Jesus as the Lord in a way that just invites people to consider this maybe in a serious way for possibly the first time. But it's primarily about that connection with the parish, connection with those couples or those families, whoever it is, who is really, really good at connecting and really, really available for those young families. You know, Father, I like what you said there because we talk about encountering Christ. But truly, the persons that they really do encounter first are us. When they come and uh, we become the face of Christ and making ourselves available to them uh, that pre-evangelization, how critical that is. And, and seeing baptism preparation as that moment are one of the key moments where they can encounter us as a, a real breathing person, fun, lovable, likable, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. all these real things. And when we talk about RCIA later on, I'm going to talk a little bit more about that, but realizing that this really is part of the process of evangelization, right? Meaning, uh, yeah, it's not extra. No, yeah, it's 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 really it's like wooing them, right? Yeah. I didn't walk up to my wife and say, "Rosemary, you will marry me, and you will like it too." <laughs> right? right? I, I just realized to get her to that point, there is a wooing, uh, and a, a loving, a listening, and enticing to where you can get to the point of laying out the proposal, and that's kind of what I what I'm hearing you say. Yeah, absolutely. And so, the, in the keeping in mind that this is a pre-evangelization, so in that, it's how to make this as absolutely accessible to these couples. As well as how do you keep it ongoing? Because um, knowing that like our culture is very much personalized, it's individualistic. So you have your Pandora station or your Spotify. You don't need to listen to the radio. Um, You don't need to watch TV. You watch your Netflix or Hulu or HBO Go, whatever account you have. And you get to watch what you want when you want. Um, We wanted to do something similar when it came to like how they grow and move from that moment. So here's the night or a couple nights where they have that baptism prep, where um, they have connection with their couples or connection with the families in the parish. But then what we'll give them is for the next 10 consecutive weeks, we put in their hand this great, really well done field guide, say yeah. uh, devotional, devotional. Like, devotional in disguise. Yeah, exactly. That corresponds with 10 videos, just again, high quality, good Ascension Press stuff that will get delivered to their email inbox of different people presenting on something that will add value to their uh, married life, add value to their parenting, add value to their relationship with God. And then they can this they can digest that, consume that as they want, and then even have a chance to process that in that devotional. And so it's kind of one of those things we're trying to say, okay, what are some of the elements of the culture that people really like? Well, they feel disconnected. They want relationship. Perfect. Let's do that. Um, they don't like having to go somewhere and be part of a group. They want to do it at their own pace on their own. Great. Let's use that. Let's utilize that and give them great content and in a way that, you know, it'll hopefully help them down the field so that it doesn't just is a one and done, but it is uh, an ongoing kind of thing that really actually respects the Lord's work in their life and connects them back to their parish long term. Yeah, I, th- I think I speak for both of us when I say that that we're most excited about that that follow up portion, if you will, because yeah. we we tend to take people to a certain point and then we just kind of leave them and so yeah. we're kind of traveling and journeying with them afterward. And, and, uh, even if they don't watch the videos arrive in their inbox, they don't have to go anywhere. The, the videos come to them. Yeah. And, uh, even if they don't watch the first or second one, if we annoy them enough with enough videos every week, then maybe by yeah. the fifth or sixth one, they'll actually open it and watch it and think, Hey, this is pretty good. And they'll go back in the beginning and they'll start following back up and start doing their guide. Cause they start six weeks down the road or two months down the road. It doesn't make a difference as long as they no, start it. At some close. point, it's going to be at some point it's going to be re- relevant to them, and at some point they'll say, "Oh, I have this. They they gave this to me, and who gave it to me? Well, not Ascension. My parish did. 
You know, that's the, I mean, it's great to be able to work in conjunction with parishes this way, to be able to say, oh, it's this company out in Pennsylvania. No, but it's my parish. They care about me and my marriage. They care about me and my being a parent. They care about me. And uh, that's just such a good thing. One of the great things about baptism is it's, it serves as a kind of a touch point, if you will, for parishes where they have that, they know they're going to connect with, with someone where you've got baptism where people are disconnected, coming back to baptize their kids. We've got confirmation where yeah. teens have been absent from the church. So we have these moments kind of built into life cycle where we can reach people when we have like those built in, you know, touch points. So along those lines, how can people use those moments like RCIA, for example, how can people use RCIA to uh, evangelize? And, and, and also I want to talk to you when we come back about um, just this idea that you do a great job of meeting people where they are. Uh, whether you're, whether you're a parent coming to the church and one of them is into their faith and one of them's not, but they're getting their kid baptized, you have a way of talking to both people. I'd like to take another quick break, and when we come back, I uh, think Tom has some questions for you about RCIA, but I'd like to kind of talk about that and just how how can RCIA serve as one of those touch points? Number one, and number two, how do you speak to those um, both of those people at the same time? All right, hang with us. We'll be right back. There might be an upcoming Ascension event happening near you, and we'd love for you to attend. Almost every week, our inspiring Catholic speakers travel to parishes, schools, and organizations around the country to ignite hearts with the love of Christ. Discover and register for upcoming Ascension events at ascensionpress.com events. All right, guys, welcome back. Again, we're on with Father Mike talking about all kinds of things. Um, right now, we're going to talk about RCIA, um, Right of Christian Initiation for Adults. And uh, I'm going to just toss it over to Mr. Tom McCabe and let him uh, fire some questions at Father. So, Father, I'm, I'm intrigued you're running RCIA at the yeah. college campus. Uh, so I've run um, RCIA uh, as well. And actually, we were actually running it before and during and after the in Denver during the Columbine shooting. Right. Uh, oh, so yeah. I, wow. I was down the road from the school. We certainly saw a spike in RCIA after that for a number of reasons, a number of reasons. But we began to change the way in which we actually reached out to people in RCIA because they were they were searching. They were yeah. questioning. They were. And so uh, I, I want to talk about that in a minute. But the, the first question I want you to do for us is, or answer for us is explain just your RCIA model, your program, what you do. Yeah. One of the things we try to do is we try to build the RCIA off of a couple other programs. One is we cast a broad net first. So that broad net can be something like a big retreat we invite people to, or a big event, like all campus kind of event we invite people to, to kind of just like have that pre-evangelization thing happening. And so that can be everything from here is, here's a big party we're having. And also, by the way, if you want to learn more about dot, 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 or we have a retreat, you know, we just really push that kind of thing because it's a retreat for people who have never been on retreat before. And so it's a, if anyone's at all interested in uh, Jesus already or in big questions of life, it's come to this retreat and it's kind of a big win retreat. And then, oh, coming out of this, whether you're a Catholic or not, uh, want to learn more? Come to this. But the, the kind of the main thing we've been doing for the last couple of years is uh, we begin our RCIA with an alpha course. Alpha is, you know, it's a, it began as an Anglican uh, outreach kind of a tool. And so it's, it's not specifically Catholic, but we, we Catholicize it. Um, and uh, it's really, really great because it's a kind of thing that we can invite anybody to. One of the things that I find uh, we have as Catholics is we have a lot of insider stuff. Um, so someone says, hey, uh, come to mass with me. Well, okay. 
uh, when you show up for mass, it's kind of an insider activity. Actually, it is an insider activity. It's for those who are baptized. It's not for those who aren't. It's not even for those really for those who aren't Catholic. Um, that's why it's so awkward sometimes to invite someone who's not Catholic to mass. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, pray with us. You don't know what to do. Um, but also right now, everyone's going to go up and receive Holy Communion, but you can't. I mean, it's it's by its very nature, it's an insider activity. Um, and so we want people to come, but we also recognize that that's not always going to be the best place of evangelization. So where is a place? What's a thing we can invite people to that is like zero entry? Uh, it's just it's just super easy. And it's uh, you don't have to know anything. You don't have to be a kind of person. You just have to show up and be uh, just yourself. And that's what we do. So we start off our, our, our CIA with an alpha course, with a retreat, with a bunch of other fun activities, just basically establish relationships. And then it's just from there. Oh, that's hugely helpful. I'm just going to reiterate entry points, alpha retreat, broad events. And you use the word win retreat. I just wanted to clarify mm -hmm. so people understand, because some people oh, yeah. may not understand. Just clarify what you mean by the win retreat. Right. We've stolen stole a lot of things from Focus, the Fellowship of Catholic University Students. And one of the things that Focus has helped us with is they will often divide their uh, programs, events, and whatever <laughs> into either a win event, a build event, or a send event, or a win program, a build program, or a send program. So win is um, that either pre-evangelization, so it's there to establish relationships and kind of help grow in trust, or it's the actual evangelization. It's the actual proclamation of the gospel, helping people come into contact with Jesus in a way that the encounter, right? So that's the win. The build is for what happens after the win. You know, like someone can say, well, I don't really like Steubenville events because, yeah, our students went there and then they came back and they fell off the wagon. You know, like, well, that was fine. They were excited for a week afterwards, but, but then they didn't go anywhere. Like, yeah, because you didn't do anything with their excitement. You didn't have anything there for them to help them grow. And so is this a win event? Is it a build event? Like to help me kind of move the ball down the field, or we use the example of a, like a baseball diamond. First base is pre-evangelization and uh, evangelization, but then build is first to second base and second to third, that sense of like, how do we equip you as a disciple? And then how do we give you the tools to go out? And then third base to home is ascend. Like we're helping people take on leadership roles, or servant roles? How do we help people go out and like, share the gospel or share what they've received? So win, build, and send, as well as the, the baseball diamond. We show all of our students the baseball diamond and say, you know, what are the events that uh, help our students get from uh, home plate to first? What are the events programs we have that help people get from first base to second, that building up them in discipleship? from second to third, which is like equipping them to be apostles, and then third to home, sending them out as apostles. So really, win, build, send really is that journey of faith, taking yeah. people, understanding it, taking them through this journey and understanding where they are in this process, us taking the burden of being creative and finding ways to reach them in each one of those stages, which really is a, a, then a ministry of accompaniment. You're taking yeah. them at every moment and understanding what they need. And as you said that, like there, there's something about, um, for myself, I know when I had a conversion encounter with the Lord in one of my teenage years, it's one of those things where I read about saints in the in the books I was reading, read about people, but it wasn't like someone was like, oh, you've encountered Christ. Mike, come along with me. Here's how you walk with him. I didn't have anyone like that. And I'm kind of a kind of a semi-private person too. So it wasn't like uh, I was putting it out there, but, but it is that. What if our students, what if anyone in your parish came alive, what would you do with them? And that's, a father, I think it was Father James Mallon from Divine Renovation who asked that question. He says, if you had 80 people in your parish, 
all of a sudden I encountered Jesus in a way that changed their lives. And they become, they became like full-fledged disciples, like just, I'm on fire. What do I do now? Would you be prepared in your parish to do anything with them to help them live as disciples? Or would it be a situation where it's like, oh, hey, uh, just uh, keep going to mass and uh, maybe you can help out with the youth program. Would we have anything to, to help them down the field? Can I jump in real quick? Tom, I want to ask you a question because um, you've said this a number of times and, I, and, I, and we've talked about this. In ministry with, with with young people, we have this sense of you got like you said, win, build, sin. But sometimes there's a sense of I want to, I gotta win them, I gotta build them, but then I gotta win them again before and then build them before I can send them out. Would you say that you've encountered that same type of a, of a process with some people in in college campus life? Yes, there is a as knowing that human beings like ourselves, we are not entirely consistent. That one of the results of the fall is a weakened will. <laughs> and so um, I need to be strengthened and I need to be reminded of the truth. And I need to be encouraged because I'm going to either backslide or I'm going to face plant or that sense of like, OK, it was so good. I counted Jesus and I'm all in. And then something changes that something can be. Now I have a relationship. OK, I'm not quite sure if Jesus is the primary relationship and this now is the secondary. It's maybe this other relationship is the thing that guides my life or now. Okay. That was nice when I was a freshman and sophomore, but now listen, I got to get serious about life after college. And so that's now my priority or you just fill in the blank. It could be any number of things. We all know this, right? That even in our prayer lives, there's some great consolation we can experience in prayer. But then what happens is oh, for the last couple of weeks, my prayer has been dry and I've been distracted and, and I don't, I don't know. I don't even know if I should keep showing up like, Oh, okay. Okay. Great. To be able to be in people's lives so you can say, no, 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 this is necessary. Like this distraction and dryness, this is like you have to do this. And if you don't go through it, you'll stay at the same stage. The darkness, dryness, distraction and prayer is not optional. And it's not because something is going wrong. This is what has to happen for you to be mature. Father, I'd love to build on Alan's question uh, because I think that's that's uh, really where I'd love to see the, this conversation go. The win, build, and send is a process. So on that note, like in a sense, then we need to win them again each week in RCIA through the process. And this would be something I would propose to various RCIA directors that we sometimes I can see a trap that we all fall into. Now that they're in RCIA, man, we've just got to get through the content. <laughs> we just got yeah. to push through it. And yes, at our parish, we had a lot of win win events. We would have movie nights regularly, actually for the RCIA group. Then the entire parish is invited. So we're pulling new people in and the new people can see, oh, these people are going through RCIA. Like for lack of a better word, the way that we would run our RCIA program, we, we called it the Tonight Show. It was like the Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. They, they would come in and we always had food at first and it was social and it was fun. And then as soon as the music started, they knew, okay, it's time <laughs> to get into my... It was time nice. to get into my small group. They'd get into their small group. We'd have a couple of praise and worship songs. Myself, or one of my leaders, would lead us in a quick prayer. And then I'd have a 15-minute talk, not long, but short yeah. talk, presenter. And then we'd have bar stools up there. And we would just banter like we're okay. doing now. Wow. So the presenter would speak, and then we would banter. Uh, so there was a process they all became familiar with. And, and this was our, our primary adult faith formation tool. Anybody was invited to RCIA because we're going to reach people. But we did this because we believed every meeting we had to win them again in a sense. Yeah. It's like when my wife walks in the door every day, I don't just jump right into tasks. There's a process we go through to reacquaint ourselves with one another. I give her the kiss. How was your day? And you lead into everything else. Well, RCIA, I would contend, is similar. You are winning them again over so that you can prepare to build them again and, and go deeper. 
and send. Does this make sense? Yeah, that sounds Father? awesome. I'm taking notes. But I would contend that there is this process with every meeting that yeah, we are winning, re-winning them, rebuilding them, resending yeah. them every week in a deeper way. Hopefully there's a deeper conversion each week. That's awesome. I, and I love the idea, um, like you said, of here's a, here's a brief presentation. And now out of that, what are your questions? Let's talk about this and let's present this in a way that is continuing to engage what they're asking, which goes back to what we talked about before, which is, uh, so what are the big questions they're asking me? How do you relate to them? How do you engage with them? Well, I have to know what their questions are or else what's going to happen is they're going to be like, oh, okay, I guess you're more interested in just kind of telling me what you want me to know uh, than you are interested in uh, answering, telling me what I want to know. I think that's why so many people love your Ascension Presents channel. As you know, RCIA groups, youth ministry groups, young adult groups use your video as the platform, mm, the segue. Right. It creates the teachable moment for people then to dive in because then you can have a catechist build on what you said for another five to 10 minutes and then open it up. And this is what I'm hearing from yeah. Ascension when we're on the phones with people that, wow, they, they love those because it creates the teachable moment that then they can really break it open and get wrestle with it with their people. That's cool. That's awesome. Yeah, I should go make some more videos. <laughs> Great. Well, I have one uh, final question for you then before we before we go. Um, and this is probably the most important of the whole podcast. Um, you know, I differed on on the Superman versus Batman movie and mm -hmm. um, Justice League is coming out in November. Um, do you think that the Justice League movie is going to redeem the previous two films? Okay. So, Alan, uh, I want to give you a question the weight that it deserves. Um, the Justice League trailer looks like it could be it could be good. But at the same time, if I really want to compare and say, OK, let's look at um, the Justice League is basically, you know, DC's version of the Avengers. It's the right. team up kind of, of these different powered you know, beings. Um, and I. I, I can't, they have to, they have to win my trust back. This is basically like, you know, someone who's, you know what, I've been to church and I got burned and, uh, <laughs> back, I, okay, I'll give them another chance, but you got it. You got it. You got to bring it yeah. or else, or yeah. else you lost me yeah. and, uh, because the trailer looks like, oh, it could be cool, but it also could be totally lame. Absolutely. <laughs> and thank you for nerding out with me for five minutes. I appreciate that. Sorry about that. I was like, <laughs> I was over there going like, what? You guys, this is our podcast. You're ruining it. <laughs> no, this is Not great. At all. Not at all. Oh, but and speaking of um, nerding out and, and Batman, look for the picture in the comments. We can't post that, correct? We can post that in the picture. Okay. So we'll post that in the comments. Look for the picture of Father Mike graduating high school with Batman cowl. <laughs> please leave us your comments. Let us know how we're doing. Um, thank you, Father Mike, for coming on the show. So please leave us your comments at ascensionpresents.com slash podcast, or you can shoot us an email directly at ascensionroundtable at ascensionpress.com. Look for the picture. Thank you, Father Mike, for joining us today. This was a ton uh, of fun. Thank you, guys. Yeah, we have to do it again, Father. This is a blast. It'll be a lot of fun. All right. All right. Until next time, you guys know that we're praying for you. Please pray for us, and uh, we'll see you next time. Peace. Peace.